Listen, we are, we are in this new season that God is asking us and leading us to step into. And there's so many exciting things about that. But I also know, as we said last week, that sometimes new, newness or stepping into the new can be a little unnerving. It can cause some stress. And how many of y'all like literally you like get stressed when the unknown is approaching? All right, just a few. A few people are honest. I think there's some more in here, too, that would probably say, man, yeah, I just get stressed out when I don't know what's before me. Look, God does that to us all the time. He's always taking us into places that that are unknown. But certainly as a church family, he's leading us into the unknown. And while there can be some stress and anxiety with that, man, I love the excitement and anticipation that is also with God leading us into a new season and new places and and just what he wants to do in us and, and through us. So we started a series last week called Stepping Into the New. We talked about a new, uh, new awareness of purpose. Last uh, week, we want to talk about a new sense of identity this morning, a new sense of identity. And we're going to draw from the story of Nehemiah, which is one of my favorite stories because of what happens throughout the story. I mean, there's so many incredible things about the story. But what we see happen is a transformation happens within Nehemiah where he starts out as one thing, but then we kind of have a new sense of identity of him uh, towards the end of the story. And we want to discover that as we go along. Let me start by reading Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. I read this last week. Now, you know, again, This is being spoken of after God had done some pretty awesome things. Now, there were some challenges with the Israelites in their journey to the promised land and and, and all of that. But there were some pretty cool things that happened, too. Uh, They overcame a lot. And and, I mean, water came from a rock and the sea was I mean, all this stuff happened, right? All this miraculous. Yet here we have God saying this. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. How many of y'all that kind of makes you a little excited after seeing all that and experiencing all that? There's more. There's more. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, this is a word being spoken, a prophetic word being spoken to the Israelites. But it's also based on the character of God. And so we can, we can read this and know, man, God's doing a new thing in us as well because that's his character. The Bible says that his mercies are new. How often? Every morning. Aren't you glad for that? Because I'm going to need new mercies tomorrow morning. Anybody else there with me? My wife would certainly tell you that I need new mercies every, every day. So even though stepping into new uh, brings us face to face with challenges, it also brings us face to face with new opportunities. When we say yes to opportunity, and you'll hear me say that many times, God has the chance to reshape us. At times, we will experience a new sense of identity, much like we see in the story of Nehemiah. So let me set some backdrop for the story before we get into what happens with Nehemiah himself. But the children of Israel had been in exile. They've been in Babylon for years, decades even. And now God is delivering them, and they're going back to Jerusalem. But they're going back to ruins. The first person that actually goes, I wish we had time to get into the whole story because it's pretty cool. The first person that actually goes is Ezra, and he begins to rebuild the temple of God. And there's even some spiritual things that happen among God's people. But the city, God's city, Jerusalem, is still in ruins. The wall is down. uh, The houses are down. We'll, we'll, We'll see the destruction in just a few moments. But Nehemiah is one who hears of this, and then we see what transpires in his story. And what I feel like God is saying to us is God wants us to experience a very similar transformation. 
And that would include a new sense of identity for all of us. So Nehemiah 1 verses 1, chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says this. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, Rain, I was the, at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. In just a few minutes, we're going re- to hear or read that report. But what we have to know is here's an opportunity that Nehemiah wasn't necessarily looking for. He wasn't looking for this. He's there, he's doing his thing. His brother comes, he hears of what's happening in Jerusalem or the state, the condition of Jerusalem. And it's kind of happenstance is what we would say. Right? But let's know this about God. That things don't just happen. Things don't, especially when it comes to this area of opportunity that God is bringing to us. He's wanting us to see these opportunities like we'll see Nehemiah in just a few moments. But I love at the end of chapter one, if you're reading through the end of chapter one, is something that I don't think is necessary to the story, per se, yet adds great value as we, we see Nehemiah's life played out in his story. And it says this, the last sentence, it says, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. I love this because that's his job. That's his position. And I would think that it was a pretty easy job. Listen, Nehemiah, he lived in the palace. He was in the king's court often, if not all the time. I would think that Nehemiah had some pretty nice clothes, like whatever clothes were in, Nehemiah was wearing them. Nehemiah had all the skincare products and he had a great place to to sleep, right? I imagine that his quarters, his sleeping area was pretty nice. I would imagine because of Nehemiah's position, and this was something that he would have groomed to become, even as a young boy, he's now the cupbearer to the king. I would imagine that his hands were kind of soft because he weren't, he wasn't used to manual labor and, and building things and all of this. It's, he's identified as the king's cupbearer. But we're going to see a transformation happen where we see this new sense of identity played out in Nehemiah's life. So listen, this transformation that God's calling to us, it comes through opportunities. So we're going to look at four points when it comes to transformation through opportunities. The first thing is this. We need to recognize the opportunity. We need to recognize the opportunity. So his brother comes, he hears this report in Nehemiah 1 verses 3 and 4. It says this. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Listen, we have got to ask God to open our eyes to the opportunities that he brings us. Ask him to open your eyes to opportunities. The reality is this. Nehemiah wasn't the only Jew that could have gone back to Jerusalem. Perhaps God had even called some others to go. We know in the story of Esther, one of the responses that Esther got was, if you don't go, then my glory will be shown or seen through someone else. God's plan is going to come to pass. He chooses us to recognize these opportunities that's a part of his plan. Yet Nehemiah is one that's not only is he recognizing the opportunity, his soul begins to respond, right? It says that he, he wept. 
He prayed. He fasted. How many others were seeing those same opportunities? It was known that the walls of Jerusalem, Jerusalem was in ruins. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why hasn't anyone gone to just start, at least start rebuilding? Yet we have this moment in time where Nehemiah, after hearing the re- report, he recognizes the opportunity. But we can't just see opportunity. We've got to step into opportunity. That's the second point. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Nehemiah, after hearing the report, after praying and weeping and, and fasting, he goes before the king. And in verse 4, it says, the king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Listen, seeing the opportunity isn't enough. We must act. I think it's safe to say that every one of us in here, if you are a Christ follower, every one of us in here are confronted with opportunities day by day by day, moment by moment. And many times, I'll just speak about me, many times I say no. I know this for a fact. If I was seizing every opportunity that God would bring before me, then more people would know Jesus. More people would be healed. More people would be delivered. More people would be following Jesus. I know that for a fact. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way that I say no to God. But listen, there's sometimes, if I'm honest with you, there's sometimes that what he asks me to do, the opportunity he puts before me, I'm just scared to death. It's like, has anybody ever been called to pray for somebody in the middle of a grocery store or a place in public? And it's just like, come on, God, really? And what we do this, we do this. Well, you know, I'll pray for him later. How many of you have ever even been at church and if somebody was sharing a struggle that they had or a bad week that they had or something they were nervous about in the coming week? You say this. Well, I'll be praying for you. Liar. Come on. In most cases, we don't pray, right? In the moment, we have that sentiment, and we hear them, and maybe there's even some compassion, but then we don't pray for them throughout the week. I think what God's saying is the opportunity is there. Let's stop everything that we're doing and pray for them right now. Imagine what would happen in your life and around you in the lives of those if we just saw these opportunities, and we didn't just recognize an opportunity, but we stepped into the opportunity. We took action. Imagine what would be taking place. Again, there's other people that could have rebuilt the wall. But it seems by the story that Nehemiah, he's hearing the report and he's saying, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. Nehemiah was made aware of the condition of Jerusalem and it caused his heart to grieve. Listen, this is the thing that Nehemiah didn't do. And again, just speaking to myself, Nehemiah didn't complain. He didn't stop and and pray that God would send someone. He didn't make up excuses of why he couldn't help or what he couldn't do. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of where we've fallen in most cases? There's a pretty good reason why I can't do something that God's calling me or asking me to do. There's an opportunity right in front of me. He's asking me to step into it, and I've got a good reason why I can't. Nehemiah doesn't do that. I, I believe it's because right away his spirit was, was 
now tied to the story that he's hearing and the report that he's hearing. And that's why he grieved and prayed. But he got up from grieving and praying and fasting. He said, I'm going to do something about it. He recognized the opportunity. He stepped into the opportunity. The third thing is this. We should invite others to experience the opportunity. So as God brings opportunities in front of us, let's recognize them. Let's step into them. But let's invite others to join that experience, to step into that opportunity with you. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. He says, but now I said to them, plural, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told him about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Listen, with every opportunity, there's a chance to include others in our journey. So we've got to see the opportunity. We have to step into the opportunity. And then we need to find ways to invite other people to experience that as well. In fact, we have these. We have the, did you guys ever see any of these? Does anybody know what this is? Raise your hand just so I'm, do you know what this is? Oh, most people don't. Man, this is awesome. This is an invite card. So when we're talking about inviting people to experience your times with God, we would include Sunday mornings with, with that, right? And so we have these invite cards right at Guest Central. You could take one of these, and as those opportunities come up, just invite somebody. Give this to them. It's got our times and address and everything right on the back. You can just hand this to them, but invite them. Give a personal invitation to come along so that they can experience what God is doing in your life. Invite people to join you in your journey. Listen, God didn't design us to walk this journey alone. That's why he calls us together. And my thing is this, if this is, if this is a more perfect picture of Jesus, who Jesus is, the body of Christ, right? We get that from scripture. We talked about that some last, let's invite people to come see this, experience this. One of my heart's prayer as a pastor, as a worship leader and all that is really that that people would leave and maybe they can't explain what happened, but they would say this, man, I just felt something different when I was there. Or if they're familiar with Jesus, they would say, man, I just felt God while I was there. Like, that's my heart. I want people to experience who God is, who Jesus is, and we can invite people along the journey. So even when we're seeing an opportunity, we're stepping into it, we can invite people along just like Nehemiah did. So let's look at the fourth. Did I say let's lick? Let's look at the fourth thing. We will be transformed by the opportunity. The first thing is we we recognize the opportunity. We step into the opportunity. We invite others to go with us in the opportunity. And then we'll see that we're transformed by the opportunity. When we say yes to the opportunities God gives us, listen to this, we hear him more often. We see him at work more often. And our lives are changed consistently. I'm convinced That if you follow Jesus, you hear God's voice often. And it's just a matter of us beginning to recognize that that's his voice. You know, my perfect example of this is my wife. 
if my wife, I know her voice, I'm very familiar with her voice, and I can be in a crowd of a thousand people, and if I hear my, my wife call my name, my ears recognize her voice, and now I'm looking for her, and most likely I'm going to find her. Listen, as Christ followers, this is where we should be, that we hear the voice of God with that much clarity. That no matter what's happening around us, that when he speaks, I hear and I stop and I'm looking for where he's at. I'm, I'm following his voice, right? Because God is giving us opportunity and he's bringing those opportunities to us moment by moment of every day. And he's just looking for us to say yes, yes. And as we say yes, you'll become more familiar with his voice. Have you ever felt the sense or been prompted to do something that was unselfish? Anybody that was selfless, like you felt the, the prompting to help someone, to speak encouragement over someone. To pr- Listen, that was the voice of God because that wasn't your flesh. My flesh, David's not going to prompt me to do those things, but the spirit of God within me will. And we, when we begin to recognize, well, that was God's voice, then I begin to see, wow, I mean, there were several times throughout the day that I actually heard God's voice. And if we hear him speak these things to us, then we'll hear him speak the more challenging things to us. But here's the key. We can't just listen. We've got to act, be doers of the word, not just hearers. So as these opportunities arise... I just need to say yes more often. And transformation happens. We see this in the life of Nehemiah. You know, just my own personal story of something that I experienced. I love leading worship. I love the opportunity to do that uh, this morning. Man, I just, I'm, I'm so passionate about who God is. And, but I haven't always been a worship leader. In fact, in my early adulthood, I, I didn't sing in front of people, didn't want to sing in front of people. And I would, I would stand up. I was in a gong show and I did stuff like that, being silly. I do rap if anybody ever wants to hear me rap. Joy, don't shake your head like that. She's like, Jesus, please don't let him. Please don't let him. But I, I didn't sing in front of people. I didn't play an instrument. I think I was in a, it was, I think it was third grade. I was in like the, you know, the little class play and I had a little soul. I, I sang like seven words at most. Um, but that's just not something I did. I thought I was going to be a youth pastor for my entire life. And we were in Texas where Brandy's parents were serving at her dad's church. He's, he's also a pastor. He's retired now, but he was pastoring there. And so we were in Texas and had been helping out there. And a friend of mine from Florida, I grew up in Florida, Tampa, in fact, uh, a friend of mine from Florida had taken over a church in uh, just outside of Tampa, just north of Tampa. And it was kind of our denomination, which is Foursquare. It's kind of their like, last effort. Something's got to happen or we're going to need to close the door. It had gone down to just a few families, and there was a lot of, a lot of history. Um, and so he was commissioned to go and see what could happen with this church, and he was calling me to see if I would pray about moving our family back and helping him. And so Brandy and I prayed uh, about it for a few weeks. I don't, I don't know how long. It wasn't real long before we knew that, that that's what God was asking us to do. And so I thought, yeah, we're going to go back, and I'm, I'll be the youth pastor, however many teenagers he has. And, and so I, uh, I called him, and this is back when you were tethered. You guys remember that? You couldn't, like, walk around. You'd be, like, walking, like, or you'd get tangled up in it or something like that. So I call him, and I hear it. It's ringing on his side. It's ringing, and, and this is what happens. I hear God, and I don't know if it was audible. I don't think anybody else heard it. I mean, Brandy was in the house, and she didn't come running. Uh, but I, I just heard God say, whatever he asks you to do, say yes. So I thought, you know, it's just me and it's just me and God. Okay, yeah, I can do that. 
So I get on the phone with him and we're talking about the church and kind of, you know, where it's at and uh, just his hopes and his plans. And I said, so James was his name. I said, so James, I said, you know, what do you, you, you know, what do you want me to do? He says, well, you know, I want you to speak whenever I'm gone and out of town and stuff like that. I'm on vacation, whatever. I'll, I'll want you to speak. And I'm like, cool, I'm down with that. I love to talk. I can do that. Uh, and, and then he said, when we've got, you know, we've got three or four teenagers that have been coming. I, I really need you to step in, just bring some excitement and build up the ministry and attract more teenagers. And I'm like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do that too. I mean, I'm doing that now. I love it. I love working with, with teenagers. And, and, and then he said this, and I want you to be our worship leader. Now, I know this guy. He knows me. He's never heard me sing. He's certainly never seen me play an instrument. But he's asking me to become a worship leader. And, and I went, James, n- Yes. Yes, I, I will. I will do that. Um, I said, so do you have a keyboard player? He said, no. I said, do you have a guitar player? He said, no. I said, do you have a drummer? He said, no. I said, James, how many people do you have on your worship team? He said, since you said yes, one. <laughs> so literally, like, I, I, don't get, I don't get nervous and scared too often, but like, I, I'm starting to shake a little bit because I'm saying yes to being a worship leader, and I've never been a worship leader. So I, I very quickly went out and got a, a cheap keyboard. I think I probably spent less than 200 bucks on this keyboard. I, I bought a book that showed me what notes were in each chord. I mean, I was familiar enough with, with chords. And I did play like Chariots of Fire. Did anybody else ever play Chariots of Fire? You didn't know. You couldn't play anything else. Well, probably the, you could play that. But uh, I forget what that's. But, so anyways, I, I say yes. I'm, I'm now learning what notes are in each chord and and within a few weeks, Brandy actually plays piano a little bit, and so she sat in on the piano while I'm up on the keyboard uh, leading. But it was bad. It was, I mean, not her. <laughs> she was awesome. But not singing in front of people before, and not, I was nervous, and I'm playing the keyboard, and so we just sang the same song for 30 minutes, because that's the song that I learned. No, it wasn't that bad. But, but here's the thing, like very quickly, I mean, I became so passionate about leading worship. And it all, it all came because I said yes. So David, who once was this punk little kid that everybody had troubles with, was now a youth pastor and now becoming a worship pastor. And it was because I said yes. And I'm telling you, I wanted to say no. I didn't have... I didn't think that I had those gifts and talents. But every time we say yes, we see it with Nehemiah. Every time we say yes, God has room to work beyond your own means and your own talent and your own abilities, even the way that you think. Because I never would have thought that. I just wanted to have fun with teenagers my whole life. But I said yes, I'm not saying that in a boastful way. Because I was scared. I was nervous. I'd never done it before. To be honest, I didn't know that I wanted to be in front of people singing. But I said yes. After, I'd never done it before. And here we see Nehemiah. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah at, the be, at the end of chapter 1, it says he was a cupbearer, yet God is asking him to build a wall. I mean, let's think about that for just a minute. How easy it would have been for Nehemiah to pray that God would send somebody else that he would pray and fast and all of his efforts, all of his energy would be that God would call someone. Or we've prayed this before. Just let them hear your voice, oh God. Whoever you're calling, whoever you're going to send, let them hear you. Give them a favor. Yet Nehemiah gets up after praying and fasting and he says, yes, I'll do this. 
not having the experience, never doing it before. So Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer, now becomes a wall builder. You know what else he became? He became a soldier. We see in this story, at, at one instance, he's got a sword in one hand and then a hammer or whatever he was using in the other hand. He was building and he was watching for the enemy because there was opposition. Not only was he building a wall and not only now does he have a sword in his hand, but he becomes a leader of hundreds and thousands of people to rebuild the wall. Not only that, but we'll see in just a few moments, he becomes a spiritual leader. We're talking about a cupbearer. We're talking about someone who had soft hands, who hadn't worked a hair before, who had certainly never built a wall before. But he says yes, because God brought him the opportunity, not someone else. And now we see this transformation happen within Nehemiah's life. And really a sense of identity has now been transformed. He's still Nehemiah. But now he's doing all of these things that are so far beyond where he pictured himself being or doing. This is incredible. And I'm telling you that that same transformation, God wants you to experience that same transformation. And listen to me, it's not about just doing things. Don't ever hear that from me. I, I believe it involves doing things. As God is working in us, something happens And there's always these good works that he's planned for us to do long ago, the scripture says, that begin to take place. But we've got to say yes. There's no question that opportunities come before you. Step into them. Invite someone to go along with you and see the transformation that happens in your life and in the life of those that join you. So here's something fascinating about the wall. I mean, we're not talking about about the fact that Nehemiah went down to Lowe's or Home Depot and bought the panels that are already you know, made and you just fasten them to a post. I mean, we're not talking about that. Listen, listen to a description of the wall or some, some details of the wall. First of all, the wall was built in just 52 days. 52 days. And we're not talking about like a little footer or a little garden wall. We're talking about a city wall. And listen, listen. In 52 days, two and a half miles of wall was built. In just 52 days, a wall that had the average height of 39 feet was built. In just 52 days, the average width of the wall was 8 feet. There would have been some sections that were wider. There might have been some sections that were a little bit smaller. We remember Jericho and how wide that was. I mean, they used to have chariot races. That's on top of the wall. Like That's just what they did. That's how walls were built. 52 days, a wall that's an, an average 8 feet wide and 39 feet high was built. Two and a half miles long. That would have included 12 gates and 34 watchtowers in just 52 days. How was God able to do that? I think that God could have just spoke to the rubble and it would have formed walls. But he went to Nehemiah and he said, Nehemiah, will you go? And Nehemiah said, yes. Yes. So Nehemiah gets to experience this incredible transformation, but not just of him. Not too long after the walls are are built, just in humanity, the Israelites begin to stray away a little bit. We see Nehemiah then step in 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 chapter 17 and on. Nehemiah now steps in and he becomes this spiritual leader where he leads the people of Israel to once again dedicate their lives to God. This incredible transformation. I don't think that anybody that was along with Nehemiah and seeing the wall built, I don't think anybody there was just saying, he's just a cupbearer. Maybe that's been spoken over you. 
before. Can we just close our eyes? Listen, I want to speak real quickly just as I was sensing the Holy Spirit. I think there's been things that have been spoken over some of you in here that was not the perspective of God. Things that were spoken that's that's not God's description of you. Maybe you've maybe you had some negative things spoken from parents or teachers or coaches or and they use words like ah they're just she's just or they'll never and here's here's some something awesome that you need just you just need to have sink deep into your soul and begin to take root. God sees you way differently than anybody else in your life. So when I say let's become familiar with his voice, it's so that we can hear him describe who we are. Because the reality is this, no matter what you're doing currently, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll leave those things. You probably probably won't leave a job or a career, but God is calling you to much more. Much more. Nehemiah said yes. And the miraculous took place. What is God asking you to say yes to today? What is the Holy Spirit prompting you with? I love the fact that as he calls us, as he presents these opportunities to us, that we can anticipate the transformation of this church family, but also the transformation of our community. Look, I'm, I'm anxious for walls of a physical building to be built on our property, just a stone throw away. But more so, I'm anxious for the stories that come along with that. Oh, this is what God's doing. This is how God is transforming a, a family. This is how God is, is transforming a community. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to say yes to? Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never been introduced to Jesus. We can start there. I would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. If you don't know him and, and you want to know him today, could you just lift your hands up and put it back down? I'm not going to call you up or embarrass you or... I just want to pray with you. We just want to pray together with you. I didn't see any hands go up, and that's okay because it means we're all on the same journey together. So what opportunities is the Holy Spirit revealing to you? What are some things that he's asked you to do in the past that you are still praying about? Right? Who are some people that he's called you to minister to? After the Holy Spirit has laid a few things on your heart, then just ask him, what do I do next? What do I do next? What do you want me to do about it? That's what Nehemiah did. And then God did some incredible things in his life. 
God, I just, I pray right now for each one of us that's in here. Lord, you, I, I do know this, that none of us as Christ followers can escape the calling beyond ourselves. Lord, I know story after story after story of people just saying yes and then, then seeing these incredible, miraculous things happen. And God, while I anticipate the miraculous happening within us and in this place, my anticipation goes far beyond four walls. My anticipation goes into our community knowing that there's people there that are seeking you. And they may not even know it. They're looking for hope and not knowing that it's found in you. They're looking for deliverance through other means and other people and other programs and other medication and So God, I pray for each one of us this week as we, as we leave this place, even today. Perhaps there's someone that we need to call before we leave the building or on the way home or as soon as we get home that there's somebody that we need to call. And speak a word of encouragement to her or just pray with. God, maybe there's people that you've laid on our hearts at work or at school or in our communities that, that we know we, you've been prompting us to invite them to church and No, we just need to do it. But for every opportunity that you bring our way this week, let us be those who say yes. Let us be those who say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.